0: Hi there, welcome to one more episode of the All Plane podcast, where aviation innovators and entrepreneurs share the coolest projects they are working on. And remember, you can find all the previous episodes of this podcast, as well as many other aviation stories, on our website, allplane.tv. That's a l l p l a n dot Today's episode is a bit unusual because we'll venture into the space where aviation intersects with sport. Jeff Zalman is the CEO of Air Race E. And what is Air Race E? Well, if you're familiar with Formula One or its electric car equivalent, Formula E, you may have guessed the answer. Air Race E is no less than the very first air race in the world designed specifically for electric aircraft. This is, of course, a highly competitive event where speed and performance matter. But the organizers expect that it will also be a driver for new technologies that can then be used outside of sport. For example, on electric aircraft that we might be using for many other things. This is also why big names of the aviation industry, such as Airbus, are also backing this initiative. If all goes according to plan, the first race is going to kick off in 2022, once Jeff and his team have selected the whole city. But let's not get ahead of time, and let me welcome Jeff to the podcast. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Hi there. Fine, thank you. Today, it's uh, a bit unusual that we are both in the same city, not physically in the same location, but in the same city. We're in Barcelona, from where you are leading a very interesting project, the Air Race E, which... I found very interesting because it's a very practical and very exciting application of electric aviation. What can you tell us about yourself and about Air Race E?
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Mikael, for for the introduction and for having me on All Plane. Um, and, and it is strange, as you said. I mean, we're we're so close. We're here uh, in the same city, but um, but still having um, you know this remote contact uh, due to. The world we live in at the moment, but um, but it's a pleasure to be here and uh and talk to you. Um yeah, well, you know, AC uh is it's a very, very exciting project, really, on several levels. Um fundamentally, AC is it's an airplane race, uh, but in particular, it's an electric airplane race. So it's the first all-electric, you know, air airplane racing series in the history of the world. Um, it's it's a really, really historic and momentous project that's important because of, you know, we're not just trying to be an exciting motorsport for fans and spectators, but doing something really, really important and meaningful for the industry to accelerate the development of the technology and electrification of aerospace. First all-electric race. Correct, correct, exactly. It's the first, first electric race. So that's actually a good point you make because air racing has a long history. So air racing has been around for a hundred years. The type of racing that we do, which is pylon racing or formula air racing, uh, has been around for over 75 years. And we've actually been organizing our company, we've been organizing airplane races for for a number of years all around the world, in China, Thailand, Spain, Indonesia, USA, um, in a format called Formula One Air Racing. And Formula One Air Racing, is kind of the foundation for Air Race E, which is also going to be uh, based on the same formula as as some classic air races that you'll have seen, but of course, converting it to the future and, and bringing it forward to the next generation and making it electric.
0: So you come from, uh, your background is actually in, in sports and racing. What can you tell us about how this idea came about and how you decided to move into the all-electric aviation field? Yeah, okay. Well,
1: my, my personal background is, is perhaps a little bit varied. I've done kind of a number of things and worked in a number of areas. Uh, predominantly, though, my uh, background has been in aviation, in particular, air racing. So I've been organizing airplane races for about 17 years now. Um, I've done 15 or 20 uh, major events around the world. Um, I can actually legitimately say I'm the only one in the world who's organized international airplane races where the planes race against each other. So everyone's familiar with the Red Bull Air Race, for example. You know, they did a great event, but it was a single plane time trial against a clock uh, in more of an aerobatic format. What we do is we race eight airplanes directly against each other on an oval circuit. All together, first one across the line win. So, you know, pure motorsport. So I'm, I've been organizing those events for many, many years. Uh, I have other backgrounds from automotive, aerospace, military, um, and uh, been in, living in Europe. Um, despite my American accent, I've been living in Europe for over 20 years as well. Um, and uh, kind of happened into it really, I don't know if you'd say by chance, but through a series of kind of fortuitous uh, areas it wasn't something that I set out to do in the beginning, but then I found myself, and also being a pilot, I was exposed to these aviators that do these amazing things of air racing. It's phenomenal, but the world didn't know about it. I mean, why doesn't the world know of this exciting motorsport out there? So I set out to try and, uh, you know, introduce mainstream sports fans to air racing. And in doing that, we had a lot of successes over the years, but in particular in the past few years. It occurred to me, you know, I realized that actually we have an opportunity now to take all of that heritage, all of that exciting motorsport and make it relevant again to the industry, do something really good for the world, for the environment, for transportation and e-mobility by making it electric. And so it was just kind of an epiphany, something that just sort of happened. And I realized that. And as soon as that clicked in my head, we made the announcement and set out and started on this journey.
0: Well, there's a parallel here. It's the, the Formula E in in car racing. Formula mm-hmm. E is an electric race that is modelled after the Formula One, just that the cars are electric. I'm not an expert myself in in car racing, but that's a topic that came up in a one of the actually one of the very first podcasts I did here with um, an engineer called Bjorn uh, Firm, which is a is an expert on uh, on electric propulsion and. and and he's a fan of Formula E and, and he mentioned it uh, I mean it came up in the conversation. So, yeah, I, I looked into it. And I, I can see some parallels here, how yeah. this project is going. So where are you now with this project? Because this hasn't happened yet, but uh, the, the first edition is expected to take place in this year or, or next year. When, when, what are the plans?
1: Yeah, the, the first races are going to take place next year, uh, 2022. Oh, mm-hmm. we're still trying to get accustomed to saying next year. And so 2022, we're going to see a series of uh, the first electric races will take place. We're currently in the middle of a bidding process with cities around the world. 60 cities uh, entered the process a few months ago. Wow, 6-0. 60, 60. Yeah, 6-0 wow. have, have initially submitted their interest in bidding and we're we're you know working that list down into you know two or three where we're going to race and that should be completed in march the end of march we should know where we're going to be mm-hmm. uh, next year and we'll we'll be announcing those uh, those cities Prior is, to this, that, is
0: mm-hmm. this shortlist public
1: or that's a, a no it's it's, okay. it's 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 not uh, we uh, we yeah we we actually are just trying to figure out do we make the shortlist public we don't have a shortlist yet we're the bids are due. Uh, the final bids are due at the end of January, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll make our shortlist from there and spend two months negotiating that with them. Um, and we're very excited. We have some really, really, really exciting uh, cities and candidates and locations all around the world uh, that are interested, and plenty more interested for 2023 as well. And so what? Is that
0: what do you what What does a city? What does a city need to uh, be able to to host this event? Uh, do you need a, sp- a special type of uh, circuit or are you using uh, these uh, facilities from the car racing what's our requirement
1: yeah so um, we, we we always hold our races at an airport so that's important to us for a couple of reasons um, first of all there's a messaging reason you know airports are part of the solution to driving this technology forward because There's no point in having electric airplanes if there's no infrastructure to support them. So we're working with airports to develop the the capability and the capacity uh, and the charging infrastructure, et cetera. And so we want to bring our races to the airports where it's going to matter. Um, That's part of it. The other part is, of course, safety. So we have uh, our races are very fast, very high performance aircraft um, in, in motorsport has an element of risk in it. Uh, we want to be immediately at a at a location where they can land and have the cert- you know the necessary safety services uh, nearby. So we're starting our races at airports now. In order to qualify, an airport needs a runway of about one and a half kilometer minimum length, and uh, and an area of about two and a half kilometers by one and a half kilometer rectangular area. Now that's the kind of crowd line. That's where we, that's the safety zone, but we race in a much tighter area than that. So it's a very small racing zone, but we need that space without, you know, villages underneath the roads. And, and if a city has that, the rest of it's easy. They just have to have the will.
0: Mm-hmm. So I've seen some renderings of, of what this racetrack looks like. And basically, it would be the runway, and you trace an oval route around the, mm-hmm. around the, the runway and and then there's also some some stalls for, for people to, to watch from one of the sides right a bit like what you have in car racing and then you have these pylons that the pylons play a play a key role right in in exactly. in mar- in marking the itinerary that the, this oval shape that the that the planes have to fly around
1: yeah in fact our, our sport is often categorized as uh, it's called pylon pylon racing and that's exactly right. We race around uh, an oval pattern around six pylons. Um, and, those, and, and we race, by the way, at about 10 meters above the ground. And the race is about 450 kilometers per hour with eight planes going around very low and very fast to the ground. So we race right up to those pylons. Uh, and those, those, those pylons are the race markers. Um, and, uh, and,
0: yeah, that's the race line how much space do you need for eight planes i guess they they fly very close to each other so fast how much space do you need because there there could be moments where all the planes kind of cluster together and at that speed can be can be dangerous eventually
1: yeah the the race lane um the track if you will uh is is about a um 75 meters wide um and it's, it becomes quite tight because you can't, um, you can't cross, be, you can't go beyond that because then you're starting to encroach upon the audience or the spectators. So there is a hard uh, limit. So you can get usually three, possibly four planes actually lying abreast, passing each other in that space. Um, what happens is, as you go around the pylon, you go around the corner. Um, I know you can't see my hands, but the, the planes are going to be banking and the angle is going to be different and you're not allowed to pass over or above or below another plane so what happens is when the planes turn uh you're even if you're parallel on the straightaway you're kind of underneath them so to speak from a visual point of view in the turn so you'd have to climb so what happens is you get planes often climbing higher to get the space to turn rather than going on the outside it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic it's motorsport in three dimensions which you never see anywhere else True. Uh, so it's got a lot of challenging elements in it mm-hmm.
0: we're talking obviously about small planes and mm-hmm. uh, one pilot planes um mm-hmm. what are the rules for the design of those planes and um, what can they have on board what they cannot have on board and are there any specific minimum requirement or maximum requirements for things like the batteries weight other equipment they might be bringing on board
1: yeah, um, so the this this it's a formula race. So uh, we're uh, actually governed by the Formula Air Racing Association, which is a an association which uh, governs the rules for Formula Air races. So what we have is a formula to construct the airplanes, and there's also that includes a formula to run the procedures of the race. But the the air the airplanes uh, have certain requirements, which is based on the existing format of Formula One air racing. Uh, which is set up by the International Formula One Air Racing Association, but converted to electric. So, we try to maintain as many of the rules that are existing in the sport to date as possible and only change it where necessary for the powertrain. Uh, a lot of those rules, of course, are about safety and uh, other, you know, and fairness, of course, from a sporting point of view. And a lot of them are, are really designed, importantly, to help us basically drive the sport forward in a way that will have relevance to future products in the industry. In other words, we don't want to just make it a fun motorsport. We will actually want to test and challenge the technologies. So it's a competition of technology as well. And to drive that forward uh, is one thing, but we also need to make sure that it's, it's, we're testing things and driving it forward in a direction that the industry is going to want it to be driven forward. In other words, that we can take technologies from our race with lessons learned and migrate them, transfer them to actual consumer, you know, commercial products in the future. So, mm-hmm. so the rules—it already starts way back in the rules. Um, we have to set up the rules in such a way that it that it drives that innovation. So, it, it is another layer there of, of uh, you know thought that has to go into it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned the the spillovers, industrial spillovers. Um, I noticed that you have Airbus as one of your Major mm-hmm. supporter. I don't know if it's can, we can call it a sponsor, a supporter, mm-hmm. partner.
1: All
0: of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's the role of Airbus in this? Are they providing technology? Are they providing funding?
1: Yeah, again, all of that. I mean, uh, Airbus has come on board. Uh, we actually refer to them as our uh, official founding partner. So they were the first partner to come on board. Um, We're the first major partner. We had a university and some other people that were kind of helping out, but we—they were the first industry practitioner that came on and said, "Okay, we see the validity of this. We understand that this is going to help us take our future products into, uh, you know, into into use and to development and then the market." And so they got involved. Uh, They got involved in a in a very big way, very important way. Uh, And they—they not so just to be clear. I mean, they're not building an airplane, for example, they're not race, they're not building a race plane, they're not gonna be a race team. They are a series partner, uh, which means they're here to help all the teams across all the different race teams, uh, and uh, you know provide that kind of, that wisdom, the industry wisdom and the, the, you know, research background, lessons learned, things like that, and some connections in the marketplaces, you know, that, that are useful. Um, so, so that's, that's important. We, we also have, I mean, other industry partners, uh, Ansys, for example, uh, we have, you know, it's a world leading simulation software company uh, and they are official simulation software per, uh, partner. And what they do is they're really rolling up their sleeves and digging in with the teams, helping the teams actually, you know, test their designs in simulation environments to help them become race ready and uh, you know, and, and, Design and develop and build and come to fruition in time. Uh, so Ansys are a an integral, uh, important partner as well, uh, and we have a number of other partners that are uh, in particular involved with each team and uh, a lot of things going on. And I think uh, just to highlight, we are an open platform. So the idea is that we there's a place in ARAC for everyone. Everyone in the industry can have a place here. Um, you know, uh, with respect to Airbus, if we want, if Boeing wants to come on board there's there's space for that and we're and we're all knowing we all know that and we're all welcoming that um mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's a place where uh, the industry can come and collaborate test compete um learn and and you know it's a neutral zone where we should we should have you know a place for everyone mm
0: mm-hmm. because there there are eight teams registered that's i guess the, that's the the maximum number because there are there are some constraints of space yeah yeah and and, and they are the ones that are investing in in their equipment right so each team comes with his own its own approach to technology and they customize their aircraft i I actually had the chance to to speak recently with um one of the uh, people that will take uh, will take part in the, the in the race the the founder of of a, an electric seaplane company in Norway that's going to be very soon in the in the podcast as well, uh, talking about this project. And he mentioned that he is involved in one of the teams that is uh, going to take part in the right. coming edition. All these teams, um, where did you find them? I mean, uh, they, do they come from all over the world? Um, what what's the profile, and what do they expect to get out of this? Because I guess it's quite a big investment. Is there uh, prize money? Is it the uh, let's say the exposure they might get to to a certain audience? What's the business model behind this whole event, this whole competition?
1: Well, uh, you know, at the end of the day, everything we do is about the teams. If we're going to develop the technology and have great motorsport and make this happen and reach our vision, it all comes down to it's all about the teams. It's about the aircraft. The the engineers, the crew chiefs, the pilots, the people that make this happen. So we spend a, a great deal of attention, time on, uh, you know, making it making a, a compelling, interesting opportunity for them to come on board um, and making sure that it's it's going to be a, a good and commercially viable opportunity for them. So we, we have, I, I should mention, we actually have, I think it's now 17 or 18 registered teams. But we have uh, six or eight uh, official teams, which have a race number. They've, you know, there's uh, they're more advanced stage, for example. Um, and uh, but we actually have a number of other teams uh, that are that are ambitiously trying to trying to join the series. Uh, eventually, we expect to have 16 teams at each event. Maybe not next year for the first series, but by series two. And uh, as we as we mentioned, there's eight airplanes in one race, but we can have different races. So the teams come from all over the world, all different backgrounds. Uh, Some are from universities, others are from aircraft manufacturers. The one you mentioned is an aircraft manufacturer. Um, We have some that are just groups of engineers that have a brilliant concept on how to do it. Um, And so there's really quite a varied background from all over the world. Um, And uh, yeah, and and they they all get something different out of it.
0: How you become one of your accredited teams? Um, do you have like a, some sort of application process? Is there a fee involved to become one of the official teams in the competition?
1: Yeah, so there's a vetting process. We do need to. We have to have a number of conversations. Uh, we we kind of, as you say, you know, kind of kick the tires a little bit, make sure the teams are uh, have what it what what's required. You know, kind of a realistic approach to what they're trying to achieve. Uh, it is a costly and and technologically challenging and demanding project uh, for that will take them for a few years or so into the future. So we do need to make sure they're ready and legitimate. Um, most of them that approach us are very very serious and and, and are are very, you know, motivated and have the resource. Um, so we take them through those initial stages as well, and uh, and get them up to a level where they're they're ready to go and they can start to seek sponsorship and and other commercial uh, opportunities to carry them forward. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, we, we do, we do some vetting, uh, as well. Uh, we, we uh, the commercial terms are the subject of, uh, you know, the official teams that we have relationships with them. Uh, what we're trying to do is we, we don't, we don't charge entry fees. There, there's some small administrative fees, but, uh, we don't charge entry fees. Our idea is that it's costly enough to, you know, to spend the resource in getting the technology right. Um, so we don't do that and we enable them interestingly by coming on board uh, as a team there are advantages and benefits that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that the teams get by joining and they have access to our partners and, and software and uh deals and and components and motors etc 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 um that that are part of our ecosystem so there's there's huge financial incentives for as well for to,
0: to join mm-hmm. And um, the actual mechanics of the race, um, you—I don't know if we mentioned the uh, the length. Took some notes here. It's it's five kilometers if we put it in a straight line.
1: A lap, yeah, exactly. Yeah, each the lap.
0: lap. Each lap is five kilometers, mm-hmm. and it's uh, four laps total. So the winner is the one that gets to the uh, the, the completes these four laps in, in yeah, the
1: twenty kilometer the, distance in the total. Yeah.
0: In the shortest yeah. possible time, and it's uh, one round, or are there different rounds? So it's it's just going to be one, like these four laps, and that's it when it's done. Or are, are there kind of no
1: the planes race again? So this is okay. this is another interesting part because the planes are going to be expected to uh, race within two hours after having the previous race, which means mm-hmm. they have to land and fast charge uh, within an hour. To, and then of course, there's other preparation that they'll need to do and be ready to race again in two hours. So, that's, that's part of the challenge. It's not just flying the technology, it's the turnaround time. You know, that's, that's a major part of it, you know, recharging. You know.
0: And they need to charge the same battery. So, correct. Uh, okay. So, they, they need to come up with a battery that it, it, it's not only performing when it comes to peak speed, but also has to, be, uh, has to have endurance and be rechargeable very quick.
1: No. Exactly. Yeah, we do recharging up to eight hundred volts in a very short amount of time. Really, the target's about forty minutes. So, mm-hmm. um, so that it's yeah, and that's the challenge. We're, I mean, again, our flying characteristics and our and our charging characteristics and everything we're doing is in the uh, envelope of the technology that's available now, but it is right at the edge. So, uh, pushing these aircraft to those limits and and having these goals set are. Uh, achievable today, but it's very tight. So it is the leading edge of the technology that, that can mm-hmm. do this.
0: Very, very in- interesting. And the uh, the the batteries. Uh, do you have a specific? Uh, I don't think we mentioned them earlier. Do, are there specific um, limits in the the power they can they can carry in these batteries?
1: It's not not in the volume. The the, the laws of physics. Will the voltage. The, the weight of the battery is quite expan- exp- uh, expansive. Uh, the voltage, we do have limits in the voltage, 800 volt uh, maximum. Uh, okay. We have a power limit of 150 kilowatts. So right now the formula uh, class is 150 kilowatt uh, max power um, is, is the limit. Uh, there is a period of time for half a minute. We are allowed to boost that up to 175 kilowatts. Um, so there's a power limitation. So basically, you know, you know, that just computes into how, what do you need to get across, you know, around four laps and have time to land, uh, safely and have enough charge left. And, you know, based on the weight of the plane and uh, the the type of cell and the battery, et cetera, et cetera, they can calculate the weight of the battery and how much charge they need. So we don't require that. We don't have any requirement on the size of the battery. But we do require they land with charge, you know, sufficient charge left in the battery. We have ways mm-hmm. of measuring that uh, to make sure that they don't just glide, glide back and, and, you know, calculate it too tightly.
0: Mm-hmm. And what um, periodicity uh, is this race going to have? Is it a one-off once a year or are you planning something like the Formula One where you would have um, a, whole, a whole calendar of, of events through the year?
1: yeah we're, we're, we're trying to grow it um so we're going to be racing as we mentioned next year um at, at least one race but we're uh, expecting to have three races next year the idea is that it's a points series so the points will accrue throughout the series and we are going to be going around the world globally and by 2025 grow to eight events so that should probably be the steady state is eight events um and they'll you know we'll be as far around the world as we can reach uh,
0: because this is a topic that affects everybody. yeah indeed and are you planning to sell tv rides or, or broadcast on the internet we we
1: expect this to absolutely be a mainstream sport in you know a handful of years uh so our goal is to bring this out to the audiences uh to raise awareness so you know, the topic, but also because it's exciting motorsport. So we, you know, we're every bit as exciting as other car races or motorcycle races. And we believe that there's a market, a consumer market to, you know, to, uh, fans to watch the sport. So that is our goal. Uh, you know, in the short term, we're looking very much at technology partners. But in the long term, the growth of the sport will depend on the fan base. And that will, of course, rely on television coverage and media exposure. Um, so in our past events that I mentioned, we already organized, which is uh, under the brand Air Race One for Formula One air racing. Um, we we currently already have TV all around the world. We're on channel. We film the shows and uh, broadcast them on sports channels, typical kind of cable sports channels around the world, um, and we do live internet broadcast. So I think digital, especially now, you know, as we talk about this, the new normal of the COVID world, uh, we are very much looking at our events as A digital streaming property and then of course if and when and how we can bolt on the the spectator side of it uh, we'll do so but it very much is a digital stream potentially broadcast uh, Mm -hmm. but i think that's the way we're going to be going because we want to reach the most people possible um, and make it as accessible to everyone as possible as we can Mm
0: -hmm. makes sense Uh, and just to uh, wrap it up for people that want to learn more about the air race e what channels do you recommend? are from your website, of course, uh, it's Air Race E altogether as mm-hmm. in one word, .com. Mm-hmm. um Other channels, uh, YouTube, uh, yeah. social media that people can follow. Yeah. So we're finally now that we're
1: you know be kind of kind of expanding our reach. We've got we've got the foundation of what we're trying to do set. We are now starting to reach out to the fans in the market. And so we're becoming much more uh, uh, active on social media. Uh, So, you know, we have, uh, you know, Facebook page, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, YouTube. We have um, all of those channels uh, that we're, that we're developing as information going out regularly. We also have a newsletter that comes out monthly that uh, people can keep in touch with us on. Um, You can sign up on our website, which you said is com. And uh, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, even just the videos, I mean, there's, Our sister race, the Air Race One, also has a channel on YouTube where you can see this type of racing, the actual whole race and the whole pro TV programs in our Air Race One channel, Uh, and you can get an idea because the Air Race E is going to look very, very similar, just the electric. Um, So you can already see kind of what we do now. So yeah, it's uh, we're going to be hitting uh, all the digital channels. Uh, Hopefully, no one will miss us. But if you want to get in early and get a a view of what we do, then. Yeah, check us out on on Facebook and the like.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for letting us know. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the best with the project. Thanks for being today here on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Miguel. It's been a pleasure and uh, very interesting. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.
0: Before you go, and if you like this podcast, a quick reminder that it would be absolutely great if you could please give it a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you're using or recommend it to a friend or whomever might be interested. Thank you very much and see you soon.